Welcome everyone to The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, The Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the director of Church Partnership Evangelism, and I am the pastor at The Bread of Life. If you wish to learn more about our work to raise up evangelists and church planters around the world, go to traincpe.org, and to learn more about our church in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our fellowship meets every Sunday for worship at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise. We would welcome you into our worship, and we're glad to share with you a note of that worship around God's Word today. The one thought that rises up in a man, even if it dies a thousand deaths, is this, I can make it on my own merits. The thought that our own goodness is not enough for God is a rejection of what we think is our very self. The idea that we're saved by faith alone in Christ alone is the one teaching that is counter to every instinct of the human heart to prove that self is enough. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, writes, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? Now, there's a couple ways to understand that statement, according to the flesh. It could be referring to the fact that Abraham, our father, through natural descent. Abraham, our father, according to the flesh, through natural descent. What, what shall we say of him? Or it could say, what we find in Abraham, our father, who was our heir, and through natural descent we came from him. Or Paul could be saying, what shall we say about Abraham, our father, and what he himself found according to his own self-effort? That might be the other way in which Paul is speaking. And we don't really know. In a sense, it might help us to understand that second way to put a focus on what Paul is going to write but it won't change what Paul is going to say next. Here's what we read in verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. In other words, he might be able to impress all of us with his good performance, but God sees deeper than we can see. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now right there, Paul is actually giving an almost direct quote to Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, only 15 chapters into the revealed word of God in the Old Testament, we're told there that Abraham believed in the Lord and he, speaking of the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed in the Lord and was accounted to him for righteousness. So right there in Genesis 15, 6, is the very first verse in the Bible that lays out clearly for us the doctrine of justification by faith. You're made righteous by faith. It's not just a New Testament concept. It's right there in some of the very first parts of the Bible in Genesis 15, verse 6. Now in verse 4. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now, that's a direct quote from Psalm 32, 1 and 2, written by David. So if you're a good Jew, the one thing that you'd want above everything else is to be a chip off the old block. You'd want to have your life be expressive of your forefathers' lives. In fact, 
The block that basically want to be chipped off of is Abraham. That's what Isaiah was speaking about. We had that read as our scripture reading. Let me read you the first two verses again of Isaiah 51. It says there in Isaiah 51 verses 1 and 2, Listen to me, Isaiah writes, you who follow after righteousness, you who want to be righteous and are pursuing righteousness, listen to me, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and look to the hole or pit from which you were dug. Basically, look to the quarry from which you were mined forth. Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah, the one who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. I fulfilled my promises to him. And and then the rest of that word of Isaiah is really extolling the salvation and the righteousness that God wants to bring and would bring to the people of Israel. And he's saying, look, it's going to come to you basically in the same way that it came to Abraham. And so, look, a good Jew wanted to be a chip off of the old block. He wanted to follow Abraham. They hailed Abraham as the epitome of righteous conduct. He was the individual who lived his life in such a way that to him, God in response brought to him the salvation or the covenant relationship that came upon him and then has come to all of us. He's an advertisement in a sense of what good works and obeying the law of God and following and submitting to the prescribed expressions of righteousness such as circumcision. You know, Abraham was the first to get circumcised. He's the one who, in a sense, demonstrating by his willingness to obey God and do good works, his willingness to follow the law of God, and his willingness to succumb to the prescribed rules and rituals that God places before him was right before God and enter into a covenant with God. And so we're just trying to follow Abraham's example. In fact, actually, the Jews had, in a sense, two, maybe three great heroes of the faith. There was Abraham, there was David, and we could probably throw Moses in there as well. But in this passage... Paul looks at Abraham and David, these two icons of the Jewish life and the heroes and expressions of righteousness. Abraham, they knew was right because the Bible says, and they understood that Abraham was called a friend of God. That's a demonstration that he really lived a good life and a right life because he was a friend of God. And then King David was the most righteous of all the kings. And what do we read about David? We read that David was a man after God's own heart. The Jews understood that Abraham was a friend of God because he was righteous. And that David was a man after God's own heart because he had found and he had lived the prescribed righteous life that God delighted in. And we want to be like Abraham and we want to be like David. So these are the two individuals that Paul identifies. Because Paul wants to talk to them about and continue forcing upon them the argument that you're not saved by your conduct. You're not saved by your good works. You don't come in a covenant relationship with God because you do good works. It's not because you followed some religious prescriptions and some rituals that God has laid down before you. It's not because you followed the law. It's purely by faith. And then Paul says, all right, let's follow the example of Abraham and David and see how righteousness came to them. And now he's going to show to them that it was by faith alone. Now, This is kind of interesting to come at this point in the book of Romans because if you've been following us along from Romans chapter 1 all the way through to the end of Romans chapter 3, Paul has been knocking down every idea that an individual can get to their own righteousness by their own good deeds. He has been overwhelmingly showing them not only that they're not righteous, but they're under God's judgment and that their own experience and their own experience before these laws just keeps proving over and over and over again that they can't do it on their own that they're not righteous in their own, that the whole course of the law and coming for the law is that it declares everyone guilty before God. 
And so it leaves them with no other option but to find their righteousness by putting their faith in what God has provided alone. And you think, okay, it's done. He's made the argument. He's finished. We've come to the end of chapter 3 and said, Paul, you've made your case. You're done. And then in chapter 4, he takes the argument all over again. And now he goes back all the way to Abraham and David to prove his point all over again. All I can say is this. One of the most cherished fantasies of human beings is the dream that they can make it before God on their own. On their own moral development. And it's a difficult instinct to put to rest. We just keep coming back to it over and over and over again. And even once you put your faith in Jesus, I'm just trusting Him as my Lord and Savior. A week later, you're dialing back into your performance. I'll just be a little better and then I'll gain God's approval and God's acceptance. And In fact, the most offensive suggestion to this instinct in human nature to prove that we can somehow nourish and nurture in us some basic goodness in us that we can grow up like some great tree and then we can climb up through our ability, this tree of goodness that rises from us to get into God's presence. The one great threat to this deeply embedded instinct in human nature is the doctrine that you can only be saved through faith alone and not through anything that you can do and any ability you have in yourself. Faith in something that is completely outside of yourself that would be given to yourself. And so, actually, natural man will accept almost any kind of religious prescription and any kind of religion that suggests that. They might think that the religious person is a quack for different reasons. But they'll basically go along and not be offended by the effort that people are putting in to be good persons and prove themselves. There's one religion that ultimately, instinctively, they naturally turn away from. It's any religion that suggests that you can't gain your righteousness by your own effort that you dismiss the ability to accomplish it in yourself. And as a result, Paul is just going to have to keep coming back to this over and over and over again. If you're tired of this message, you might not want to bother picking up your Bible and reading the New Testament at all. Don't even bother reading Paul's letters because it's not just in the book of Romans. It's in all the books. It's in all the letters. It's in all that it wrote. There's no righteousness apart from that which comes by faith. You'll recall that the accusation that had kind of been made about Paul, we spoke about last week, was the accusation that if this teaching that we are saved through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, were true, that it threatened all the accumulation of the stories that God was giving and God was teaching to the nation of Israel. It was dismissing all the lessons that we were learning from the forefathers about how important it is to follow the law and be a good person and to subscribe yourself and to submit to all the rituals and laws that God had given to Israel. And if we're just saved by faith alone, through grace alone, the free gift to us alone, in belief in Jesus Christ alone, Paul, you're setting aside and you're nullifying that whole narrative, that whole story. Paul is saying these things in chapter 4 to prove that that idea is completely untrue. He's going to demonstrate here that the two greatest heroes of the nation, who are indeed heroes of righteousness, came to that righteousness not by the keeping of works or by following religious prescriptions or by keeping the law, but they came to that righteousness only by faith, just like they had to as well. They're wrong. Paul is not undermining the great story and the great narrative that you find throughout the Old Testament. He's affirming it. Jesus Christ is affirming that doctrine. So let's look at this first. He's going to look at two examples. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at the example of Abraham. 
And we're going to look at the example of David. It won't take us so long to look at the example of David. We'll take our time looking at the example of Abraham. We won't be able to look at this whole chapter all at once. We'll have to go back to it a few times. But let's start here. And the first thing we see here is Abraham, Paul is saying, is an example of salvation by faith. He says here, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We might ask ourselves very quickly, what was this belief that Abraham had? To understand that, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 12, where God meets Abraham and God makes a promise to Abraham. And he calls Abraham out of the community and the city and the land that he was living in to go to another land that God was going to show him, that God promises to give to him. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 12, and let's read verses 1 and 3 together. There we'll see the initial promise that God makes to Abraham. So Genesis 12, 1 and 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families, or all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So here's God's promise that God gives to Abraham. Abraham does leave and he does go to this place that God has led him to. Take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 15. Because now in Genesis chapter 15. You'll have to join us in our next broadcast to get the full answer to the question we've just asked. What was Abraham's faith? But let me give it to you in advance. His faith was believing God and God's promise to him. Just that. No more. In our next broadcast, we'll look at this together from Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Until then, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church here in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. And now, may God bless you.